it is my honor and my joy to introduce to you, uh, I believe, the premier preacher of fundamentalism in America today, Dr. Jeff Fugit. But not only that, he's my friend. Uh, I'm, I'm a spoiled man. I mean that. I have very good friends. And Dr. Fugit is pastor of the Clays Mill Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. He also is the head of the Commonwealth Baptist College, the only Bible college I recommend. And you say, are there others out there? Probably, but why settle for second best? And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Here's a man that travels the country. Uh, you know, many of you would know uh, how I feel about uh, my preacher, my hero, Dr. Jeff, Jack Hiles. This is the Dr. Jack Hiles of our day. I mean that. Uh, he is, without a doubt, and Brother Hiles and, uh, was very close to him. I've sat in Brother Hiles' office many a time, and I would hear him say, You fellas, you young fellas, follow Brother Fugit. He, he's up and coming. He, he, he's the real deal. Uh, I could hear him say that time and time and time again. He's the real deal. He's got it. He's, when I'm gone, he'll, t he'll pick up the mantle. You, you, you stay with him. Uh, I've heard him take his old finger and pound it on the desk like that, saying that. And uh, you say, what did that mean? Pay attention. And uh, Brother Fugit is a dear friend. As busy as he is, he's involved in uh, politics and helping with the state of Kentucky and even nationally. Uh, preaches in churches every week of his life, virtually building a great church. They had a big day recently, almost 3,400 people in church, and uh, just an amazing work that God's doing. You say, uh, uh, but preacher, he's here. Yeah, I know. Uh, he, he never forgot where he was from, and uh, church isn't always measured by its size. And I thank God that he understands that. Us little churches and us little preachers, uh, he cares about too. And I thank God that you get to hear my friend, Dr. Jeff Fugit. All right. Thank you. Open your Bibles, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. You can be seated. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Are we online tonight? Are folks watching us online? All right. Shucks. I wanted my wife and my mother-in-law to hear that. And uh, But anyway, Hebrews chapter 4, it is a joy to be with you. I really, I mean it. I've looked forward to coming. Uh, there's several reasons I, I like to come here. I, I love Brother Bush. He, he is a real friend, and I appreciate him and always enjoy just personal time with him and always enjoy preaching here. But I look forward to coming for that reason. I look forward to uh, seeing the beauty of the drive when you get out of the city and get toward this area. This beautiful country, isn't it? I just I love it coming through, and uh, I really enjoy the drive, and I enjoy the time. And uh, this year, I'm glad uh, to uh, see that uh, Brother Aaron and his family are here. They're good folk, and they were wonderful students at Commonwealth, and uh, she worked at our Cracker Barrel just down the road and always took care of us down there. What a delight she was and just a great personality, and uh, Brother Aaron uh, married up, and that's helped him a little bit, and uh, but anyway, uh, uh, he, he said amen first to that, And uh, but I, I appreciate him, a real servant, and I mean that, just a servant. 
And I enjoy hearing his song leading, don't you? Yeah. It, it, it makes a fellow who can't sing want to sing, and I like that. I like that. I didn't mean he can. I mean, I, he made me want to sing, and uh, that's, that's good. I tell folks I don't sing because I can't. I sing because I can't help it, and uh, so I, I enjoyed that. My, what a good crowd. I started to say a good-looking crowd, but what a good crowd. What <laughs> a good crowd. And that's another reason I enjoy coming here because you folks, you have a sense of humor. You really do. It, it, it's tough when you go to a church and you give it your best and they just stare at you. and uh, or, or you say things, I was up north last week and I said, pone of cornbread. Somebody after asked me after church, they said, what is a pone of cornbread? I said, well, it's a, it's, it's, it's a whole uh, iron skillet full of cornbread is what it is. It's a... Anyway, and uh, but I'm glad to be in West Virginia and among uh, Americans and uh, in God's country, and, and, and I, I like it. I really do enjoy it. Hebrews chapter 4 is our text verse, and I love the Word of God. I love church. I love church. I, I love the work of the ministry. I love to get the good reports. Last week, 1,100 young people uh, came on our buses into our Spanish department last week. And uh, 1,100 this week, just a tad uh, uh, over a 1,000 just in the bus ministry. And I love ministry, and I I love what it does. In the last month, there have been three reports of fatalities in our town, and every one of them, I ask our office, do we have record of this individual? And all three of them had been saved through the bus ministry of our church. And that's just a great blessing to run buses, win people to Christ, to give out gospel tracts. Oh, my, what a joy it is. What an honor to meet a veteran of Korean War. My favorite uncle, who is in heaven now, was a Korean War veteran. And I loved him so much, I probably quote him almost, almost as much as I do the Bible. Uh, but, but he was just a, a, a great friend. And what, a, what an era of men it was, just after Vietnam, then Korea. And what a difficult battle they fought there. Don't you appreciate our veterans and men like that? I sure do, and I thank the Lord for them. But it is, uh, it is an honor to meet you. Hebrews chapter 4, if you'll stand with me, we'll begin reading in verse number 14. I'm going to put on my reading glasses, and I've been telling folks this a few months ago. My oldest son, Joel, he said, Dad, you should wear reading glasses when you read the Bible. And I said, well, folks will think I'm old and can't see. And uh, he said, right now they think you can't read. And uh, so uh, it does help trade one for the other. So we'll, we'll look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14 where the Bible says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched, with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, now the word therefore is a good word, and it it is there for a reason. Let us therefore, and now he takes what he has said, and he connects it to what he's going to say. Because of what I've just said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to preach tonight on this subject, the difficult thing about God's help. 
the difficult thing about God's help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be in church tonight. Lord, with a group of folks who no doubt they love you, uh, they love their pastor, they love their church, and they love the Word of God. And that's the crowd that's in church on a Monday night. And I pray, Lord, that our time together would be beneficial for them and for their church. And I pray that, Lord, you would fill me up with your spirit and use me to accomplish your will. And now, Lord, we pray for our friends, uh, the nation of Israel tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would give uh, uh, the the leader, the prime minister there, uh, give him the wisdom uh, that he needs in this hour. Lord, these are days that no doubt remind us of what you told us about when you were here on earth, when we see and hear of wars and rumors of wars and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. I believe we are close to those days and may we take tonight's service as an important one in these final days of battle. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You might be seated. You may be seated. Uh, It is quite an amazing truth that you and I as a child of God can go to the God of heaven in prayer and get help for every area and every need of life. Did did, did you hear what I said? What an amazing thing that you and I can go to the throne of grace in heaven and we can find grace to help in the time of need. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to give you five statements by way of introduction from this passage of Scripture as I preach the message tonight, the difficult thing about God's help. First of all, I want to say God is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, it would be enough if the Bible says that he was touched with our infirmity. But it says that he's touched not only with our infirmity, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. For example, I have, uh, my wife and I have six grandchildren You'll see me after the service. I'd like to show you their pictures. Man. And uh, uh, that's what grandparents do, isn't it? Yes. And uh, so, so when you have grandchildren, when I hear their cry, that's the feeling of their infirmity. And I go find out what their infirmity is. Sometimes it's a skinned knee. Sometimes it's a bug bite. Sometimes just afraid of something. And it's not a real infirmity, but it is a cry and I'm touched not just with their infirmity I'm touched with the feeling of their infirmity Uh, you've seen someone that would uh, say of a child that fell down and and they say I hurt my elbow and they look at and they say oh you're all right nothing to it and just brush it off oh but God's not just touched with the infirmity God's touched with the tears of the hurt he's touched with the cry of the hurt now that's a good God 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 is touched with our infirmity, but he's also touched with even the feeling of our infirmity. The second statement I want to make from this passage of Scripture, I want to point out that it is our responsibility to go to God in prayer. Do you see it? Right there it is in the Scripture. He says, let us therefore... 
What? Why? Because we have a high priest that's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now, it is our responsibility to go to God in prayer. Have you read that story where the Bible says the disciples, uh, they're in the boat and they are in a storm. And the Bible says that Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep. Do you remember that story? You know the story I'm talking about. He's in the hinder part of the ship asleep. And the Bible says that the storm was so great uh, that the boat began to take on water. And as the boat began to fill up uh, with water. Now you're all right if the boat is in the water. But when the water is in the boat, you're in trouble. And so, so they turn to Jesus and they wake him up and they ask him a, in the Greek, stupid question. And they said this, carest thou not that we perish? I've got a question for the disciples. Why did you wait till you were near drowned before you woke him up? (laughs) You asked Jesus the question, do you care about us? Why do you think Jesus got on the boat? Why do you think he's in our life? He's not here. We're not the temple of the Holy Spirit because he was homeless and had no place to go. He is within us to empower us, to help us. He wants us to come to him in prayer. Why would they wait until the boat was nearly sunk before they woke him up? And I want to say tonight, it is our responsibility to go to God in prayer. I recall the story, another story similar. The disciples are in the boat and they're toiling and rowing and Jesus is walking on the water. And the Bible says this and I quote, and he would have passed by them. Now, Jesus is not walking on the water to get his steps in. That's not why he's out there. He's out there walking on the water because he wants to help those men that are toiling and rowing in the boat. I think the prayer that I pray most on a Sunday morning, and I go to church early for every service, and especially early on Sunday morning, and I spend a good deal of time praying through our auditorium. And I think of that statement often, and he would have passed by them, and I say this and I pray this prayer, Lord, don't pass by us today. Please don't pass by us. Please come in. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Lord, how we need you today. And I want to say tonight, it is the responsibility of the child of God in need to go to God in prayer. Many years ago, I was in my office on a Saturday evening, and uh, I was studying, I was at my desk, I was reading, I was writing, and a knock came at my door, and my uh, little son, who is, oh, I don't know, five or six years old, he came in and he said, hey, Dad, can I have 50 cents? Now, he wanted 50 cents because there are snack machines down at the school. And he wanted to get a bag of potato chips or a honey bun or something like that to hold him over for supper. And I said to him, I said, son, I'm busy right now. I'm studying. Let me get finished. And I went right back to work. And, and, and just, just maybe two minutes later, Dad, yes, son, can I have 50 cents? I said, Joel, I told you I'm studying. When I get finished, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. Just wait for me, okay? Wait just a minute. And uh, so I go back to work. Two minutes later, he sticks his head in the door. He says, Dad, can I have 50 cents? And about the time I started to scold him and run him off, 
He comes in, he puts his hands on his hips. He said, if I can't get 50 cents from you, who can I get it from? (laughs) How many times have I said to my heavenly father, if I can't get the Holy Spirit from you, who can I get it from? If I can't get help from you, who can I get it from? This world doesn't care anything about me. I need help. And I'm glad that he says, come to the throne of grace. I said, first of all, God's touched not just with your infirmity. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Second of all, it is our responsibility to go to God in prayer. Number three, I want you to notice he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. The word boldly means courageously and with confidence. It means to come with courage. It means to come with confidence. We're to come boldly to the throne of grace. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So he tells me to come boldly to the throne of grace. Number 4, I want you to notice in verse number 16, when we go to the throne of grace, the first thing that we get is that we obtain mercy. Let me give you a simple definition for mercy and grace. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. For example, how many times did you need a whipping when you was growing up and you didn't get one? That's mercy. Now, I didn't get much mercy, but I got a little. (laughs) I got enough weapons for me and my two brothers to make up for all of them. But anyway, (laughs) mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I do not deserve. And the first thing I receive when I go to God for help, I obtain mercy from God. I realize that life could be, life should be much more difficult and worse than it is. But by his grace, he saved me and I have obtained mercy. And as a child of God at the throne of grace, life is better for me than it is for anyone that cannot come to the throne of grace. I was working in my office one day some years ago and a young man came to the secretary and asked if he could see me. And I said, sure, he came in and he identified himself. And then he said, I am a religion student at the university. Now, what that means is he was extremely confused about about God. That's what it meant. And that's what religion does. And I'll never forget the first thing he said to me. And I think he intended to provoke an argument. And I think that's what they do for a living. Is And I, he should have just got married. But anyway, he was studying religion. And, and he said to me, he said, he said, I just don't think God's fair. And I said to him, well, I'll agree with you there. He said, no, 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 you, you didn't understand me. He said, I don't think... God is fair. I said, I heard you. And I agree with you. And then he disagreed with me and him both. And he said, how is it you don't think God is fair? I said, because if you and I got what we deserved, we would go to hell. But God gave his son who knew no sin, who did no sin, who died on the cross in my place to pay for my sin that I could have eternal life. I'm not going to heaven because of who I am. I'm going to heaven because of what he did. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. We'll obtain mercy. 
We need to go to God in prayer because we obtain mercy. Let me give you the fifth. Let me give you the fifth statement. Now you may say, boy, if this is the introduction, we're in trouble. No, the truth is you can tell folks tonight you heard a 15-minute sermon. Don't tell them about the 20-minute introduction, all right? (laughs) Number five. He said, then we would find grace to help in time of need. And that's what he said. Look at it, verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I get now to the title of my sermon. The difficult thing about God's help is God's grace is not delivered like we expect sometimes when we go to God in prayer. Sometimes we call God as if we're dialing 911. And we expect within five minutes to hear the sounding of the sirens, the screeching of the tires, and we expect for God to come running and take away all of our problems so we can go back to having fun living life again. And that's not how God works. That's right. Now I want to help you tonight. I want to show you what it means where the Bible says we'll find grace to help in time of need. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And for many of us, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture and a familiar story as Paul here goes to God in prayer. And I want you to notice that Paul prayed just like we pray. He had a problem and he said, God, would you take away my problem? But God doesn't do that. He doesn't come in with lights flashing and sirens blaring and tires screeching and taking away our problems. I want you to notice he dealt with Paul just like he deals with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. He described this trial, this difficulty, this burden as the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. Now notice verse 8. This is Paul's prayer and it's just like I would pray, just like you would pray. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Lord, take away my burden. Lord, take away my problem. Lord, solve my difficulties. That's what he prayed. That's what he asked for. But I want you to notice in verse number 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now you tell me if Hebrews chapter 4 in verse number 16 doesn't match with God's answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9 where he says my grace is sufficient for thee. You see we ask God take away the problem God said no I'm not going to take away the problem but I am going to give you the grace to bear the burden. Now that's how God helps us. Now, 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 Now listen to me there are Christians and churches across America that are mad at God tonight. Yes sir. They're mad because we have faced problems and difficulties and burdens. And we said, God, you said you would answer our prayers. And we asked you to take away the problem. You didn't take away the problem. You just made us stronger and we still have the problem. But that's what God said and that's how God said he would answer our prayers. That's how he would help us in our difficulty. 
He didn't say he would take them away. He said, I'll give you grace to help in time of need. So what God does, rather than take away the 500-pound burden that I can't bear, he doesn't take it away. He increases my strength by 501 pounds of ability so I can not only live, I can bear that burden. Now here's a wonderful thing about God's grace. The grace that God gives to help to overcome that burden, I can use not just for that burden, I can use for the rest of my life. For you see, the burdens that I faced as a young man, that I went to God and I said, Oh God, I'm not able to bear this burden. Please take it away. Please answer my prayer. And God didn't take away the burden, but He gave me grace and He gave me strength in my weakness. I'm still using that strength because I'm testifying of what God did in those days 20 years and 30 years later because God always gives grace to help in time of need. Now when you go through the Bible you find that's the way God does it every time. Now let's quit getting angry at God because He he doesn't solve our problems and let's accept the help that God gives us and be thankful that He gives us grace to help in time of need. There's another story in 1 Kings. Look at one verse with me. 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll read just one verse. I'll tell you the story while you're looking for it. 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, the story here, Elijah has been by the brook Cherith, and God has been feeding him with the ravens bringing him food. I'd hate to think what ravens were bringing him, what I've seen him eating beside the road. Uh, and he'd been drinking from the water of the brook Cherith. And that dries up and Elijah says, Lord, what do I do? He said, I want you to go to Zarephath. And there is a widow woman there that is going to sustain thee. Now, I don't know if preachers then thought like preachers think today. But if you tell me that the widows of church are going to cook for me Sunday, I'm excited. Man. <laughs> You can have the ravens in the brook. I'll take those chicken and dumplings that those widow gals can fix. I'm going to tell you something. I'll take those chicken and dumplings and that pony cornbread and that banana pudding. I'll take that every time. And I imagine Elijah's thinking, Woo-hoo, I can't wait to get to Zarephath. So he gets to Zarephath and here's a widow lady out there. And he says to her, he recognizes she's the widow, and he says, Ma'am, can you fix me something to eat? And here's what she says. Verse number 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. You could interpret that pone, but it's the same thing. (laughs) She said, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal. She said, I don't have enough to make a whole cake of bread. I just have a handful is all I have left. And a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son. Notice that we may eat it and die. Now you talk about a disappointment. You go sit down at a widow woman's table expecting chicken and dumplings and the fiction and banana pudding. And she says, I don't even have enough for a cake. You talk about disappointed. But she did what God asked her to do. She took what meal she had, and they ate that. And she said, we'll die tomorrow. The next day, she opens the barrel. Now I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God did not fill it up. Yes, sir. 
But he did put another handful of meal yes, in there. And so they ate that and they put their funeral off for the next day. And that's a good thing. You know, it's expensive to live. Have you checked the price of a funeral lately? I mean, to live is expensive. To die is out of the question for me. I can't afford it. I'll have to live to be 100. I can't afford a funeral. And so, so the next day she goes back to the barrel and it isn't full. But there is a handful of yes, meal there. Sir. And what she does, she eats that meal with that oil and she puts her funeral off, funeral off for another day. And that happened until the famine was over. Amen. Now somehow we think it would be better if God just filled it up. That's not the way God works. That's right. And we're, we're, we're learning about God through memes in Hollywood. Come on. You, you can't learn about God through one little meme at Hobby Lobby. We're going to have to get back to reading a book and figuring out how God works. Some folks know about God, but they don't know the God of this book right here. And, then, and, they, and then the best they know about the Bible is Charlton Heston. And that's a sad thing. Because there are folks that will argue using a movie as a point of reference rather than the Word of God. I understand there were times of miracle. I understand there were times that there were plenty. But the way God helps me in the time of trial and the time of difficulty, He didn't take away the trial. He didn't fill up the barrel. He gives me enough grace to help in the time of need. And He said, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I know folks tonight that I wish I could just fix their problem. And I go to God and I pray for them. God doesn't want to fix their problem, but he does give them enough grace for one day at a time. By the way, while you may not see God working now, if you prayed, God heard your prayer. And he does help you whether you see it or not. Now, we live in the day of pain medication. Now, growing up, if two aspirin didn't fix it, you'd just hurt. <laughs> or, or turpentine, or castor oil. Now, buddy, you didn't fake being sick when I was a boy. <laughs> because when my, you said, I can't go to school, I'm sick, my grandmother gave you a, tables, a tablespoon of castor oil, whether it would help you or not, friend. And you didn't fake, I'd rather go to school as take that stuff. I mean, that, that would make you sick. But we live in the day today where they can go, and I mean, they can numb your mouth, and they can just take drills and jackhammers and go in there and just fix everything. You just lay there and come out with a smile on your face. That's not the way God works. You don't feel it much when you take a vitamin. You don't feel it much when you just do what's right every day. And that's how God helps. Now think about it. All the way through the Bible, all the way through the Bible, he gave the children of Israel man in the wilderness fresh every day. Not every week, not every month. But every day. He told us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 11. Give us this day our daily bread. We're taught to serve God daily. Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take of his cross daily and follow me. Somehow we get the idea and do something big for God. And about once a year we get on fire for God. And the rest of the time we're just cold embers. But I'm supposed to serve God every day. 
every day, every day of my life, every day, I'd rather have church members that are just faithful. They're always there than those that are always up and always down. They want to build three tabernacles today and then tear the church down you've already built tomorrow. And that's just the way. I don't want to be like that. I want to serve Him. I want to bear my cross every day. Children of Israel went into the land of Canaan. He told them in Exodus chapter 23, verse number 29, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee by little and little. I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Joseph was not a success in his life in a day, though he was a grand success. It was year after year after year of trusting in God. Caleb did not get his mountain. He did not get his inheritance in a day or a week or a month or a year. But for 45 years, he had faith in God. He trusted God. And little by little, and all the Christian life is not one grand victory and then we live in victory. Oh, but the Christian life is one day of grace and another day of grace and another day of strength and another day of strength. I don't have to make it tomorrow. I just have to make it today. You remember 10 years Years ago when you said, I just don't think I can make it if. Well, here you are and you've made it. <laughs> I can make it. Yes. I don't have to make it next week. If I can make it today. Yes. That's how God helps me. I learned a valuable lesson when I was just a little boy. My dad started Bible Baptist Church in southeast Kentucky in July of 1972. Now, now we grew up in the mountains, and in, and in the 70s, the Depression, it had been over a long time, but they never told us. They, they didn't tell us it was over. And, and, and we lived simple. We did, and, and I thought everybody lived like we did, and I hate to say we were poor because I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anybody's I've met. I mean, everything we had, we earned it. I mean, we didn't waste anything. What little food was left over, we put it in a bucket, we fed that to the hogs. When they got big enough, we eat the hogs. I mean, that's just the way life was. And, and, and I like that. One fellow said he was so poor, if somebody would have broken his house, he'd have helped him look. <laughs> that, 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 that's pretty poor right there. But it grew up simple. And, and, and my dad started a church, Bible Baptist Church in Hazard. And I remember he worked a full-time job, and there were times he'd try to go full-time at church, and he just couldn't. And he'd go get a job, and he'd work that job, and he'd work at the church. And I remember one time he'd gone full-time. We lived in a little single-wide trailer. And after church on Sunday night, my dad and three or four of the young men, they were counting the offering for the day. And I remember one of them saying to my dad, Preacher, there, there's not any money left. And, and, and I'm sorry, we can't pay you anything again this week. I'll never forget how quiet they were as they walked out of the house. My mom and dad stood at the kitchen table and they cried. I remember my mom, head in hands. I mean, they were 20, they were in their 20s. And, and, and she went to the back bedroom. And my dad got on his knees at the kitchen table And he began to cry and he prayed out loud. I don't know why he prayed out loud, but I'm glad he did. I was sitting there just as a seven, eight, nine-year-old boy watching my dad. And I was crying just because he was crying. And he said, Lord, I I have a family to feed. God, I pray that you'd supply our need. You said you'd supply our need. Oh, God, will you please supply our need? 
The next day, my dad went to the post office. They didn't bring the mail to our house. We had to go to the post office and get it. Everybody's, everybody's address was the same. General delivery, Chavez, Kentucky, 41727. That was everybody's. And they, and they just had a big pile of mail, and you went in. The postmaster knew who you were. And I think the way it worked is you gave them what gossip you had, and they gave you your mail for the day. <laughs> I believe that's how it worked. That's, way, that's what my grandma did anyway. <laughs> My dad went to the post office on that Monday morning. I'll never forget. He came back, and he came running in that trailer, and he was holding the envelope over his head like that, just waving it, yelling for my mom. And my mom came and said, what is it? What is it? He said, I want you to look what was in the mail today. And he opened an envelope, and he pulled out of it two $100 bills. Now, that was a lot of money then. In fact, that's a good bit of money today. But in 1975, that was a lot of money. They cried, and they shouted, they danced. I didn't have anybody to dance with. I just watched them dance in the kitchen, and oh, what a time they had. My dad said, we'll go up to the country store, and we'll get a few things for, for breakfast, and then we'll go to town, and we'll get groceries for the month. They were so excited. While we were gone, a church came from Ohio, a church that had helped us plant our church, and they brought, a, they brought that trailer full of groceries. I'll never forget there was enough Captain Crunch cereal. <laughs> I ate it until I couldn't eat it anymore. I just <laughs> ate it and ate. I'll never forget. I, that was the happiest sick I ever was. I was sick <laughs> eating, I, I, eating Captain Crunch cereal. And I learned then that God always supplies, but he never gives you everything you need. He just gives you enough grace for another day. Yes. My dad would tell this story. He would say, you know, I prayed on Sunday night. God mailed it on the previous Friday so I could get it on Monday. Amen. Isn't that a good God? Yes, so tonight, let me ask you a question. You have a burden? You have a trial? You have a need? Don't wake Jesus up and say, don't you care about us? Mm-hmm. Don't wait till you half drown before you wake him up. Go to God in prayer. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. It could be worse. We're blessed beyond measure now and find grace to help in time of need. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Stand with me, if you will. Are you disappointed at God because you've been praying and you want God to just take away the problem? You want him just to answer, just solve everything right now? And you wondered six months ago how much longer you could make it. And here you are six months later and you're just still making it day by day. That's okay. Because it keeps us close to God. It keeps us faithful to God in prayer. Tonight perhaps you have a need. Perhaps you have a burden. Perhaps you need God's help in your life. In just a moment when he plays the invitation song. Why don't we just gather around the altar together and let's just go to the throne of grace and let's take our burdens to the Lord. Whatever it may be, God cares about your infirmity, but my goodness, we have a God that he's touched with just a feeling. He's touched with your tears, the feeling of your infirmity. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come and we can come boldly with courage and confidence to the throne of grace. Lord, may we bring our burdens to you and find grace to help in our time of need. 
Bless, I pray in this hour, in Jesus' name, amen.